my opinion, to enter into bargains and trades with criminals. All right, may I just say one statistic? 31,000 criminals are indicted, charged in New York annually. Taking your worst figure, 12% of them come to trial. Come to a courtroom trial, that is uh, 31. I would think that that is uh, 3,730 cases come to trial out of 31,000. I repeat, 3,730 come to trial out of 31,000. Something's wrong with that system. Those, those individuals who plead to going to state's prison for a term on robbery in the first degree, ranging from two years to six years, and on a nonviolent felony, all the way up to 12 and a half to 25 years. Now, those cases are disposed of by plea negotiation where the sentence range may be anywhere from two to six years all the way up to 12 and a half to 25 years. If they go to trial, the same sentence range exists. Yeah, but they get stiffer sentences. Plea okay. negotiation. One moment. Yeah. <laughs> in my case, in my case, in my courtroom, I will not necessarily punish an individual for availing himself of his constitutional rights to go to trial. A plea negotiation does not necessarily mean that he will get a lesser sentence if he takes a plea than he would get if he went to trial. Usually, plea negotiation will result in a somewhat lesser sentence because it shows that the individual is contrite. He is not being punished for going to trial, but he is being rewarded for his contriteness and for saving the state and the community the expenses of a trial and enabling us to move forward and progress within the criminal justice system you, and dispose of these cases. Your viewers may be interested. Contriteness is a judicial presumption in the plea bargaining process. Well, you know, your viewers may be interested in the fact that well, the law... Uh, no, no time? Yeah, I'll come right back to okay. the point you wanted to make. We'll okay. be right back. Before he speaks, I do want to tell you that Judge Stern has written the most remarkable book. Uh, it's exciting. It's kind of a detective story, but it shows American law working like nothing in the world. And you'll be proud to be an American, and you'll have a wonderful reading adventure. Judgment in Berlin. Herbert Stern, Judge Stern. Now, that I've said a nice thing, what <laughs> yes, do you, you have, want? you said a very nice thing. What do you want to say? You know, the problem that Justice Roberts is speaking about, really, are the mandatory minimum sentences which he faces as a, as a state Supreme Court justice here in New York. And if we ask ourselves a question, which is, why does he face them? The answer, I think, is a little frightening. It's obvious to me that the reason that the state has passed mandatory minimum sentences is that they do not trust the judges. Too soft. Well, I, there's a public perception, you see, that the judges are too soft. And that perception yields legislation which says to judges, you must give at least this much time. That creates problems for our colleague over here in his system because if he gets a case, you know, where someone shouldn't get that much time, then the entire system bends itself into a pretzel to avoid the necessity of doing something which no one would really want him to do. And this is compounded, Mr. Suskind, by a curious, ridiculous aspect of the law. See if these two thoughts can live together. It is against the law and unconstitutional to give someone more time if they go to trial, but you may give them less time if they don't. Now, that's ridiculous. Those two thoughts can't live together. And yet, that is the existing It's a pragmatic solution to a hopeless problem. The problem well, is too much crime, too many arrested uh, crooks and 
uh, felony perpetrators, rapists, would-be murderers, uh, too many of those against a shortage of judges and a shortage of time to hold adequate trials, wow. forcing kind of pragmatic compromises that throw all these dangerous people right back you know, in the I've streets. I've been asked why I wrote this book, Judgment in Berlin, and the reason I did was it seemed to me important to demonstrate to the American people that they have, they're going to have a judiciary worth having. And the judges can't yield to pressures, you know. They can't come up with only pragmatic solutions, and they can't yield to pressures even when those pressures are put on them by, a, by our own State Department. And, Look, and I might add there's one other problem, and that is the hysteria created uh, by individuals who really quite often don't understand the problem. And the legislature quite often in just fighting crime by increasing sentences does not understand the true nature of the problem which exists. It is, and I'm certain uh, that my colleague will agree with me, uh, that uh, it is speed and certainty of adjudication that uh, deters crime. I agree. It's we not the severity of sentence. Oh, first you have it's to catch him. Apprehension. It's, it's speed and certainty of adjudication. Among certainty of adjudication is apprehension. But certainty of adjudication and speed of adjudication means that the case should be disposed of before six months now, following arrest. Right. Now, I just want to say, I hate to use New York because this is true. Detroit, Philadelphia, Houston, Los Angeles, San Francisco. I just have adequate figures for New York and not countrywide. In uh, 1983, the police of New York City made 106,271 felony arrests. 16% of the cases were, quote, closed, meaning either plea bargained or tried. So let's no, no, say 100,000. What you're talking, you're giving, you're talking about apples and oranges. 106,000 come into the lower criminal court. Those cases are uh, disposed of by the assistant district attorney and the police and the court, plea the lower bargain. court. No, in evaluating the case, it may not be a felony. It may be a case where the evidence which was seized should be suppressed. They, at that particular juncture, reduce it. What I'm talking about, you're talking about the initial apprehension. What I'm talking about is the fact that of those cases which result in indictments in New York City, over 31,000, those particular cases, for the most part, are disposed of uh, during the course of a year by plea negotiation which results in, for the most part, a state prison sentence of a, uh, a not of a short duration. Uh, they are tried. The figures you have deal with those cases coming into the court system at the very outset. Uh, I just want to say that... Sometimes in, uh... they are overcharged. Sometimes the evidence isn't there. Sometimes uh, it is necessary for the district attorney's office that has nothing to do with the court. The district attorney's office of the five counties reduced, and that is true in Church all the cities of Stern. New York. I want to tell you an interesting couple of anecdotes about this area. You're visiting our fair cities all right. uh, from New Jersey. Two men recently drowned a Pratt Institute student, and they were found to have long arrest records. They drowned, you say? They drowned. They murdered a student. Oh, two men murdered a yeah, student. Yeah, held her head under the water until he died. Yes. He died. She died. 
they had long arrest records and were roaming around free and did this deed. Drug dealers in one of our famous parks that are found to have 30 suspended sentences arrested for dealing, and they are back in the park the next day, Judge Murphy, New York Times, March 24, 1984. That's his statement. 30 times suspended sentences, and they're back dealing the next day. Suspended sentence. Well, uh, at least that is not... Those are cases involving uh, misdemeanor arrests in the lower court, not in the Supreme Court of the state of New York. I I'm think, sure of that. I think a lot of this is a product of this, of this uh, terrible sentence bargaining. I think, you know, that it is important to move the cases. Yes, but what value is it to move the cases if you're not getting just results? Those cases don't deal with the plea negotiation of which I speak. Those cases that he's talking about are people that are found with some marijuana uh, and uh, it is drug uh, dealing. He said they were dealers. These are dealing. cases which are reduced in the criminal court. This is not plain negotiation. They don't come to your this. court. No. They are not in the Supreme Court. No, but they're in the courts. But I do think that the evil is present. Those people, believe me, bargained. And it's not good enough to say that they didn't talk directly to the judge. Of course they did. They talked to the judge directly through their lawyer. On the other hand, look, you know, I don't want my friend here to get people get the wrong impression of him. I've known him for 25 years. Oh, he's one me of the too. toughest judges. He is, in spite well, of the way he's. Well, he look, said. look, look. You I show me I, a tough judge with a liberal heart, I, and I'll show you a I don't, want, I don't want to be known as a tough judge or as a lenient judge. I take it back. I want he's to be known as a judge uh, and I, who calls the shots as I see them. And uh, I truly feel that within the Supreme Court uh, of our state, that the dispositions which are meted out are fair, are equitable, that individuals who uh, deserve to be incarcerated for a long period of time are incarcerated for a long period of time, and those individuals who can be rehabilitated and indeed in some cases habilitated uh, uh, are given that Do you opportunity. Believe that prison two, rehabilitates yeah, anybody? Two quick questions. Do I, I believe in. that? Yeah. You want to ask me that? Just I certainly do believe. Prisons rehabilitate? I do believe that prisons uh, do rehabilitate more than you believe they do, and uh, they rehabilitate people by deterring them from committing crimes again for two reasons. One, they, they don't like having been in prison, so they do everything possible to go straight so they don't that's go not, back. That's, that's not that's true. That's not rehabilitation. One moment. One moment. Well, we only have three. All right, <laughs> let me say this. If we're talking about rehabilitation, let me give you some facts and figures. In in this state, and the figures in this state are comparable in all the other states. Uh, there has been a great attack on parole. Parole is the greatest advance that's been made in the criminal justice system in the 20th century. Of those people who are paroled, of those people who are paroled, and there's some 24,000 on parole in the state of New York, within five years after they are paroled, only 2.9% of those individuals five years after their parole, are arrested for the commission and violated for the commission of only, a felony. Only 2.x percent are 2 detected and found and well, indicted. Well, well. But Listen, just you, answer him, please. Well, sure. I think that the, this, this system has been a deception in many ways on the American people. I don't know what he faces in the state system. I know about the federal system. If we give someone a nine-year sentence, they are... they they must get out. They max out at six. They're, they're eligible, you know, at three. three. 
And the point is that we are giving sentences which look to the people like they are tough and severe, and the people who are serving them aren't really serving them. I think we have an obligation of being honest with the American people. Why have a sentence which says nine years when you know that by matter of law they can't do more than six? And would likely be out in three. And like, well, or what is your thought? That if you get nine years, you do nine years? If Yes, I think this. I think that it's time to say to, to everybody, the judges, when they sentence, they ought to mean what they say. When you say to somebody, you're serving that amount of time, that's the time it ought to mean, and the American people ought to be able to rely on that being the Boy, actual do sentence. I ever agree my, with you. my answer to that is that we have a different sentencing structure in New York, using the term nine years. If a person is a first predicate felony offender, he gets Forget three. first. If a sentence is three years, it ought to be three years. If six a person years, gets, six years. Well, let me answer that. If a person gets three to nine years in the state, he cannot come before the parole board until he does three years. Forty-three percent of those who come before the parole board the first time are not paroled if the sentence is put over for two years. Okay. They, the parole board puts it over for two years. Ju they can't be paroled until Ju they do five Judge years. Roberts, Judge Stern, I thank you very much. Incidentally, if you want a treat, read Judgment in Berlin. It'll make you proud of the American legal system, even when it operates in West Berlin, Germany. It's a hell of a book. Two great judges and I respect them both profoundly. We'll be back.